This is the third episode in this podcast series dealing with case handling for trade union representatives and shop stewards. The third episode is going to start off by dealing with the question of what I've described as creation of a submission uh, for the uh, for the hearing. But we may actually also run into pre-hearing meeting with the member because uh, I think we can get both of those in this particular podcast. So uh, if we start off with the idea, the concept of writing a submission, I always feel that it doesn't really matter whether it's going to be a fully blown case leading to potential dismissal or even a tribunal external to the organisation. If you're preparing any case that is worth its weight, you need to be at least putting your thoughts down on paper in some kind of structured manner uh, in the form of a submission, no matter how short or long that particular submission is. And that length of the submission will will be determined by the nature of the case, the detail of the case, the complexity of the case. Um, and for some, it may just be a couple of sheets of A4 paper. For others, it may well be um, half a tree, basically. Um, but yeah, it, it's not. It's about bringing everything together in one place and putting them in some kind of order. Um, my view is that you, if you write this stuff down, you get it into some kind of order, then it helps you when you're actually in the hearing itself and supporting the member, representing the member, because it gives you some clarity of the arguments that you've determined to put forward. also can help the member, because when you are going to sit down with the member prior to the tribunal, or sorry, to the hearing, um, it's quite useful actually to have something that you can share with them or even send them in advance so they can see the way in which you're raising these issues and if if there are other issues which they think you've maybe missed at that point uh, maybe you can tweak the submission slightly so when i say submission you might be thinking i'm talking about a document you give to the employer i'm not i'm not talking about that at all that might be in some of the more complex cases that might exactly be what you're preparing you might be preparing effectively a bundle of documents to be presented but in most cases this is for your benefit for the benefit of the member so the idea is to build a submission which is a detailed report which outlines all the key arguments that you're going to use in the case highlighting all the relevant evidence in order that you're going to use it uh, and assessing the strengths and weaknesses of the case as well that's quite handy it can be used as a kind of aid memoir to run through the case uh, and it can be uh, very useful also i would at this stage be uh, going through all the evidence you've picked up whether it's from the member whether it's from management whether it's medical evidence or whatever and i'd be uh, i'd be inclined to tag this and number it as appendices to this submission so that you can easily refer to each of those pieces of paper if you need to so if they're all numbered then if you in your submission if you're talking for instance about um, something which relates to a medical aspect and the fact that this person was on medication at the time of the incident then it would be really useful if you could if you knew that that was at say appendix four you could whiz straight to Appendix 4 if you needed to, even in the midst of the hearing, and pull out a prescription or information about the medication that the individual was on 
some evidence, in other words, um, to substantiate your argument. It's also handy just to put things in order because it makes more sense when you're looking through the case and when you're going through that case yourself to prepare for it. So again, it's a way of assessing the strength of your case and it provides the member with a clear understanding of the perspective. You know, part of dealing with casework is actually managing the aspirations of your members as well, which can be a really tricky thing to do. Let's think of it again, as I said in a previous podcast, um, every person who comes to you uh, who's facing a disciplinary uh, capability or even a grievance that they're, that they're pushing forward will do so because they feel that they've been treated badly or unfairly at some point. Um, it's very rare that you find a member who will come to you and say, it was all my fault, there was no other factors involved, and um, I'm holding my hands up because that was it. It's very rare that happens. A lot of the time, a member, even though evidence may be stacked against them, will give you a plethora of reasons why uh, they should actually be acquitted of uh, of this particular charge that's being levied against them. So it's well worth being able to go through these documents with your member in advance of the actual hearing um, and you can then manage your member's aspirations a little bit easier by pointing to the the factors both for and against the member and identifying to them what the case what the strengths of this case are and what the potential hazards are um, it's also quite handy as well because members have a tendency as we'll go into when we look at the actual hearing of going off kilter and they do it quite often they go off track and start talking about other stuff that can often put them into more dangerous positions than they were in in the first place so it's quite important that the member keeps focused at all times I don't want to say much more about the submission because I think it's very much up to yourselves whether you find this a useful way of doing things. I always have, but it doesn't mean that you necessarily will. You may have your own way of doing things or indeed many of you may not like or use paper um, uh, paper documents that much and you might prefer to do all this on, on a, an iPad or on your phone or in some other manner. But however it works for you, it's just about being strategic about how you approach the case and understanding that you know in every case there are strengths and weaknesses and we need to play to the strengths and try and avoid the weaknesses okay so i think at this stage we'll probably move to step four which is the pre-hearing meeting with the member now you know this could be quite a short meeting it could be a longer meeting and of course there may have been other meetings with the member in between that first initial chat and where you are right now. Um, but it's an opportunity to talk to the member and put to them certain key elements, not only of the case, but of what this hearing is going to look like. Now, this is quite important. And the reason why I think it's quite important is for you as a trade union representative, even in your early days as a representative, you get very used to uh, being in front of the employer and you, you get very used to it quite quickly. So you build your confidence the more times you're in front of the employer, whether it's in a negotiation, whether it's in a discipline or forwarding and supporting a grievance on behalf of a member, or even if it's just having a chat about some changes in the workplace or raising some safety issue. 
but you are frequently in a room with members of the employer's team having discussions over things which affect people's lives. That's a really big difference to where your members are. If you think about the member who's going into or potentially going into this disciplinary, particularly a member who may not have had any issues with the discipline before, may not have been in the manager's room before, they may not have been spoken to before about their conduct or their capability or their behaviour. So it's quite important that we kind of um, explain to them what they're going to face there. We give them a really good picture and understanding of what they're going to face and we try and make it feel as comfortable as we can. It's not going to be brilliantly comfortable, especially if it's a disciplinary case, but we have to try our best to try and let them understand what they're walking into and what everyone's role is within that room. So they understand, first of all, the format of the hearing, what's going to happen, how many people physically are going to be in the room, uh, who those people are and what their roles are. Uh, understanding what each of those roles are in that meeting. So, for instance, it's really important, of course, to ensure that they they know that they're there to answer questions when they're asked, but that you'll be the one who's doing the submission to the employer. You'll be summarising. And it's best to get them to avoid, for the most part, and we'll come on to that in more detail when we look at the hearing itself, which is a big, chunky part of this podcast, Uh, And it's going to be probably the next part of it. But it's very important to let them understand, really, that they don't answer questions that aren't asked, that they don't proffer information that isn't, isn't asked directly of them. And even if they are unsure about how to answer something, that they have the ability to actually stop things and have a chat to you or go outside or whatever it happens to be. I say we'll go on to that more later but it's it's giving them that understanding of the balance the power balance within the room the understanding of um, the necessity to behave in an appropriate manner to remain calm so I mean I can give you an example of this I remember many years ago doing a case in a private nursery kids nursery in Liverpool and it was a favour for a friend I went up to uh, meet this young woman who was being accused of um, various things to do with the kids and things like not changing nappies, not not putting them down at the right time, all this kind of stuff. Basically cutting corners in her job. She'd been accused by a couple of parents. So um, when I met her outside the nursery, it wasn't an organised workplace. She was a member of the union because I'd signed her up. But when I met her outside, she just had that look of anger in her eyes. She's only young, she's only about 19 and... She looked like she could kill, quite simply. So I kind of approached her and we sat on this wall opposite the nursery and we had a chat. And I said, right, okay, so, you know, this is what I've been sent. This is what you've sent me. This is what the employer sent me. And I gave her the premises of what was going to happen. And I said, there's likely going to be two people in the room, someone taking notes who won't be taking part in this particular hearing at all. And the person who's going to be asking the questions. And I gave her the kind of overview. And one of the things I said to her was, so I want you to really watch. And I said it really because I could see it in her eyes. I said, I want you to really watch how you behave. I said, I don't want you to lose your rag, lose your temper, um, swear or anything like that. It's really important to keep really calm and focused on what's being said and not to lose your temper. Well, she kind of looked at me and she went, 
I never lose me temper. I never effing swear, she said. My mother doesn't let me swear. And, and honestly, she was swearing when she was telling me. So I was thinking, that's interesting. So we went um, we went inside the, the room and in the room, very small interview room, it was right next to the nursery itself. You could hear the kids in the background. This young woman who was her manager was only about, you know, maybe a mid, early to mid-twenties. And there was another young woman who was taking notes who was probably about 16 or 17. So you could tell it was quite, they were quite inexper- inexperienced at this kind of stuff. So we sit down, we start the whole thing. And of course, the behaviour issue came out. She lost her temper. Um, she tried to drag a letter out of the file to see who had written it, who was trying to, which one of the parents it was, and then threatened to, I think I think she said she was going to kill the parents who had actually raised this. And there was a whole load of swearing. Luckily, on our behalf, or on our part, the young manager who was SAS officer actually just literally launched into a tirade of effing and blinding and swearing back at the member, uh, which was excellent because it, she'd lost it. And then it was very clear that it wasn't just the member who had a behavioural issue. So then um, the door flung open and the owner of the nursing home, this very posh woman, walked in and said, I'm shocked, I've never heard language like this. There's children in the next room. So I thought, oh, we can take advantage of this. So, so I piped up and I went, yeah, I said, I'm absolutely shocked. I said, and I'm with this young woman here who I don't think has ever heard such language. And from a manager or alleged manager as well, it's disgraceful in a formal hearing. It's absolutely appalling. So, so of course, this woman said, right, this thing stops now. There'll be no further action. And I want to speak to you, the manager, afterwards come into my room. So everything was dropped. It was just like a really it was quite lucky really I think she I think actually I remember that she got sacked about three or four weeks later anyway for other issues but that wasn't the case of it wasn't the uh the the issue that we'd gone into uh to resolve okay so we we diversify slightly but these kind of stories help I think to give some levity to it but also to you know to 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 understand it is a human process and all these people are you know humans they've all got their own particular behavioural styles and uh, and we'll get to that when we look at how to deal with the hearing itself. Uh, some of the other things that the member might like to know is what the room layout is going to be like. You know, maybe if you do know, you know, how long the meeting might be. I mean, how long is it going to take? Uh, will, there be, will there be an opportunity to go for a break at some point? So all that kind of stuff we can talk to the member ab- about at that final stage um i would build up a series of uh, signals or a signal of sorts between the member and yourself so that they're able to actually indicate to you quite clearly without speaking when they may need to discuss something or adjourn the meeting um that's just a simple thing to do maybe a tap on the shoulder or whatever it happens to be or just writing a wee note on a piece of paper and passing it to you. But having something set up in advance is quite useful because you don't want them feeling they can't interrupt things and that gives them the authority, if you like, to be able to know how to do that. Um, And also, it's very important, as I say, to talk to them not only about their behaviour but about allowing you as the representative to control the flow of the meeting rather than 
uh, for them to be interjecting on a frequent basis because you know with the best will in the world the most dangerous person in that room is your member because the spotlight's on them they're fearful of losing their job or for suffering some kind of penalty um, and that can throw up all kinds of behaviours that they wouldn't normally exhibit in work so they're going to be nervous understand that and uh, and hopefully we can both build and, and, and shape their aspirations as to the possible results, but also shape their behaviour in that meeting. So that's about building their confidence, isn't it, to go into the meeting. Uh, and it's about understanding what to do and how it's going to work. So that's all I want to really say on those two parts. So it's quite a short podcast episode, but I think it's important to just focus on those two things. But they're not the biggest elements. We're going to come to that next when we start to look at the next podcast which is or the next episode I should say which is the representation itself what happens in the hearing and how we handle that hearing 